Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Not sure that I've ever had a better tan than what you are seeing right now. Absolutely spectacular. It's like the John F. Kennedy, as I like to say, great tans. The John F. Kennedy in the 1960s when he was president tan before he got shot, before he died. Positive Kennedy era, back when Marilyn Monroe was singing happy birthday, Mr. President, to him. That's what you got going on right now, right here. Uh, I hope all of you are having a fantastic summer. If your summer is coming to a close, as mine is, I was up in Michigan uh, all of the last week, up in northern Michigan, mostly. I got to tell you, of all the areas in the country that I have had the good fortune to visit, I think northern Michigan in the summer is the most underrated place in all of America. The weather is virtually perfect. No humidity, 75 degrees, lakes crystal clear, cold, but still swimmable on big, awesome, sunny days. Uh, I was up there with all three boys. I will say all my two youngest sons want to do is play wiffle ball and throw football. That's all they want to do. Doesn't matter where we are, in the country, I could take them to Rome. They would want to play wiffle ball and throw football. I could take them on an African safari. They would want to play wiffle ball and throw football. I could take them to Australia, New Zealand, you name it, anywhere in the world. All they would want to do is play wiffle ball and play football. It's kind of fun. Uh, I'm great at wiffle ball. Not the kind of guy to brag or draw attention to myself, but I did crush a lot of home runs in the family wiffle ball games. Uh, And uh, my boys are now back in school. So at least two of the three. I'm about to have a high school age kid, which is earth shattering for me to think that I'm old enough now to have a kid that is going to be in high school. And I will. I've got a ninth grader starting here in about 10 days. And uh, I've also got a second grader and a sixth grader. My sixth grader is playing football. He's on the JV squad, football, middle school. First time he's ever played tackle football. I'm curious to see how all that's going to go. But they started back to school today. We start back early down here in the south where I live. And so that is what is going on. I have been on the road, basically it feels like the entire summer. Uh, I started off, I'll start off the discussion here, Last week, no, the week before last, I was in New York City and I played the Live Golf Tour out in Bedminster. If you hadn't seen, interviewed Charles Barkley, Donald Trump, Greg Norman, three pretty good interviews. I believe those are up in totality on YouTube. Uh, And I hope you, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen a few different segments of those. Um, How did I do in the Pro-Am? I played with... uh, Pat Perez and with Brooks Kepka, and I was the disaster. I, I was awful. Even for someone who has a bad golf game, 
I looked like I had never played golf before. Now, in my defense, I hadn't played golf in like 18 months. And it's not like I've played very much in the past several years. I've been working too much. After seeing how bad I was, I have decided that I need to be out and about playing golf more frequently. I'm going to try to play. Fall is going to be crazy because I'm going to be on the road for the college football tour with Big Noon kickoff again. But I'm going to try to play. I'm going to try to play once a week. Uh, that's probably going to fail because I'm also writing a new book that I have to deliver before the end of the fall. But I was awful. And I would say I culminated in my awfulness when I nearly killed Brooks Kepka with a fairway wood shot that I hit where I'm not even sure he should have where he was walking been completely unable to be hit. He should have been 100% safe and instead I yanked the fairway wood at such an awful, unbelievable, low-lying angle that I thought for a moment, oh my God, I'm going to hit him and maybe knock him out uh, of the uh, of the tournament. And fortunately, he was able to dodge it. But that's the kind of performance that I put forward. I did have a couple of birdie putts on par threes where I hit decent shots. But I'm not sure that my golf game has ever been worse. And I've played a couple of pro-ams before. There wasn't a crowd here present. But it's pretty nerve-wracking to be trying to hit a golf shot while really good professional golfers stand right behind you watching you tee it up. Greg Norman watching you tee it up. Former President Trump. uh, Brooks Kepka, You name it. There's a lot of pressure on a lot of these shots. And it's one thing when you have pressure and you're not awful at something. Like, I have a lot of pressure on daily radio show, television show, whatever you want to say. I'm good at those. I suck at golf. So pressure on you when you're not good at something, it definitely bursts pipes. Where they say pressure can produce diamonds, it can also burst pipes. I burst a lot of pipes, metaphorically speaking, on the golf course. But had an awesome time. Uh, uh, So a lot of fun. Probably will be playing more Pro-Ams in the future. uh, And uh, hopefully my performance will be better. I've got so many topics to hit here today that I'm going to try to run through them uh, in rapid fashion. There's a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. Um, This new Inflation Reduction Act. Joe Manchin to me, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, his career's over. I think he ended his political career by supporting this bill. Spending $740 billion, 9.1% inflation, a recession I believe is currently underway if you look at GDP being down each of the last two quarters. Uh, And even all of the economists out there who usually bend over backward to try to defend whatever ridiculous decisions Joe Biden's Democratic Party wants to make, even if you are in that camp, all of these Uh, economists are saying this is going to increase inflation. How could it not when the government is suddenly coming out and spending nearly $800 billion more? Tax increases for a lot of small businesses and businesses and 87,000 IRS agents. 87,000 IRS agents. Now I want to put into context what 87,000 
IRS agents look like. That's basically as many members of now with the doubling, basically, of the IRS. We now have basically as many IRS agents as we do Marines. And that new uh, uh, situation here is this is going to make the IRS larger than the Pentagon, the State Department, the FBI, and the Border Patrol all combined. Pentagon, State Department, FBI, and Border Patrol. That's what Ted Cruz said. That is what 87,000 more uh, IRS, (coughs) excuse me there, IRS agents are going to do. That's a football stadium. That's like Jordan-Hare Stadium, if you're an Auburn fan, suddenly full of all of these IRS agents. And what's also important to note is a lot of people are like, well, they're going to go after billionaires and they're going to go after millionaires and people like you, Clay, who are rich. And I'm sure I'm going to get audited uh, quite a bit in the years ahead. But really, most of the people who are going to be getting audited are not going to be making that much money. And Republicans actually said, hey, we want to limit audits to people making, uh, so we're not going to have way more audits. If you make $400,000 or uh, more, you can be audited by these 87,000 agents. But if you make $400,000 or less, which is a lot of people out there, in fact, the vast majority, you shouldn't be getting audited because you're not actually making that much money. And Democrats refused to vote for that. So Democrats now are going to lead, and look, the process itself is the punishment. Because when you are audited, and let's say you make $100,000 a year, let's say you paid $18,000 in tax, and they come back to you and they say, actually, you owed $3,000 more, and you are in violation of your federal tax return, most people making $100,000 a year can't afford accountants. They can't high-level accountants to respond to an uh, audit like this. They can't uh, afford tax attorneys. And so what you're basically getting is extorted by these IRS agents. And everybody out there is like, well, if you pay your fair share of taxes, you should... Uh, hold on a minute. People don't understand how the tax code works. The tax code is more art than it is science. By which I mean, I could, and many of you out there who have business-related income and whatnot also could, I could hire 10 different accountants and I could give them all the exact same uh, information. And I could say, tell me what I owe. And I bet you all 10 of them would come up with a different number. Because the tax code is so complicated that much of it is about interpretation, trying to determine and analyze what exactly is the right dollar figure to apply what exactly you're going to end up owing. And so people out there don't understand that the IRS can basically shake you down if they want to over how much taxes you might owe. And look, I said this. You can flag it. When I took over, along with Buck Sexton, the new Rush Limbaugh television show, uh, radio show, when we started over a year ago, one of the first things I heard from somebody really high up was expect to get audited every single year now 
for the rest of your life because the IRS is intensely political. And you saw what happened with Lois Lerner and all of the investigations that occurred surrounding Tea Party-related nonprofits when they essentially were doing word searches based on what the names of these nonprofits were and deciding to audit them. It was entirely politically motivated. Rush got audited every single year. I expect, I told my accountants, I said, hey, I expect that the IRS is now going to come after me because I'm moving from a guy who just gives opinions on sports alone to now being a guy who's taken over the biggest radio show in the country and I'm going to be a target now. So just presume, make it as well recorded as we can, that we're going to get audited every single year. I've never been audited before in my entire life. I bet that I start getting audited now. And I bet that because there's 87,000 new IRS agents, I bet a lot of you are going to get audited as well. And I don't buy into the idea that this bill is going to pay for itself. It's going to increase inflationary pressure. It's going to increase our overall debt. And once you hire all these people for a federal bureaucracy, they never get fired. Nobody ever comes. We could. I really believe this. I think half of all federal employees should be fired right now. Half of them. I think we easily, easily pay way too many people to do a job that half of them could do as good or better. I think if you cut 50% of the United States federal government, you cut half of our taxpayer-funded jobs out there, I think that they would do just as good of a job. I really do. I think we have at least 50% totally wasted on all of these employees. We're never going to be able to fire any of these people. Once they get these jobs, and once they get union protection, and once they get rolling into the federal system, these 87,000 IRS agents are going to exist. The doubling of the IRS government size will exist for the rest of our lives. Nobody ever gets fired in the government. Nobody ever gets downsized. Nobody, once a federal bureaucracy expands, it never, ever becomes smaller. Always gets bigger. And so congratulations, Democrats, knowing that they're about to lose the House at a minimum, decided they were going to pass through a massive tax increase just before they get walloped and lose at a minimum control of the House and maybe control of the Senate as well. I told you this was going to happen. I predicted it for a long time. I think it's going to cost Joe, uh, Joe Manchin his political career. I don't see there's any way that he's going to be reelected in the state of West Virginia again. I think he's done. And I think there are a lot of people out there that are fed up with him and his secret negotiations that he had with Senator Chuck Schumer over all of this. Nancy Pelosi went to China, sorry, went to Taiwan, which China argues is a part of, uh, uh, that Taiwan's a part of China. And she did a press conference over the weekend where she said, China's always been important because there's been a great connection between uh, me and China because when I was a little girl and I was at the beach, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what she said. When I was a little girl and I was at the beach, I used to dig. And uh, my parents would tell me if I kept digging, I would eventually end up in China. And so China's always been an important part of uh, the relationship here with the United States. That's what she said. It's like something out of Veep, except even crazier than what Veep could say. So 
There's a great front page uh, article in the Wall Street Journal talking about the uh, coming conflict that we're going to have over Taiwan. I think Taiwan, if I were predicting, I think China is going to invade Taiwan before Joe Biden's term in office is out. And I think the reason why they're going to do it is they saw Biden's incompetence with Afghanistan. They've seen Biden's incompetence with Ukraine and Russia. And they know that Biden would be totally incompetent trying to provide protection to Taiwan. We saw China take advantage of COVID to essentially end democracy in Hong Kong. I believe they will do the same with Taiwan. I expect an invasion of Taiwan in the next 18 months predicated on Joe Biden being a weak president. This is why I've always said I don't root against the president. I don't want the president to be weak because if the president is weak, our foreign adversaries will take advantage of him. And that's exactly what we're seeing happen with Joe Biden right now. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Monkeypox. Everybody's talking about monkeypox. Do you know if you basically don't go to gay orgies, monkeypox doesn't spread? It's not easy to get. Uh, It is not very common. And it overwhelmingly is spreading in the gay population. And there are all these public health authorities out there that are saying abstinence policies don't work and we can't tell gay people to stop having orgies. And I'm just thinking to myself, wait a minute. You told us that we had to shut down schools, that we had to shut down businesses, that over 20 million people couldn't go to work, that we couldn't go to the park, that we couldn't go to the beach over a respiratory virus in COVID that spreads airily, right? And now you are telling us that there's nothing that can be done at all about monkeypox, that we just have to deal with it. Well, I'm fine. Look, I'll take my risks because I've managed to avoid being involved in a gay orgy so far. I think it's unlikely that it's suddenly going to happen. So far, unblemished record of heterosexuality. Again, I've avoided uh, participating in gay orgies. So I don't really feel that threatened by monkeypox. But how is it that it's too onerous of a responsibility to ask gay dudes not to go to orgies Yet, it was totally acceptable to tell everybody that they couldn't go shoot basketball in a park or they couldn't get out on a a board in the uh, ocean and you couldn't lay out at the beach. How have we gotten here? Where there's such inconsistent public health discussions that are occurring based on what the politics are, by and large, of the people involved. And I just want to mention this for a moment because I think it ties in with COVID. Did you see over the weekend, I shared this on Twitter, the New York Times had an editorial by a guest columnist buried in Saturday's column about kids returning to school was this paragraph. This is from the New York Times Saturday editorial page. First, schools should be open. 
They should never have closed and should never close again. That was a mistake we will pay for over decades. I want to read that again because I want you to ask yourself, man, who did that sound like? Sounds like Clay Travis, what he's been saying for a couple of years. New York Times buried two and a half years into COVID in their editorial page. First, schools should be open. They should never have closed and should never close again. That was a mistake we will pay for over decades. It's 100% right. Why did it take the New York Times two and a half years to feature anybody saying this on their editorial page? In fact, if you said this, when I started saying it, you were trying to kill grandma. All of the data supported me. All of the science supported me. I started arguing we never should have shut down schools at all in April and May of 2020, over two and a half years ago, right after we shut down schools. Many of you will remember, my kids went to public school in August of 2020. Last year, I went and spoke at my school board and said, there's no way to justify kids having to wear masks. And people were outraged that I would have the audacity to say that. By the way, I was right again. The data was clear and transparent and undoubtedly on my side. So how have we ended up in a world where all of a sudden, note what's going on, They're going to bury paragraphs like these. And in the years ahead, eventually, it's going to be very hard to find anyone who said, yeah, I was in favor of schools closing. That was the right decision associated with COVID because it was 100% wrong. And they're going to say, but how could we have ever known? Well, we could have known because nincompoops like me just looked at the basic data, said kids aren't in danger. We need them in school. The kids that are not able to go to school are the most, are overwhelmingly minority disadvantaged kids. Everyone needs to be in school. My own kids were in school, public school. And I said, kids need to be in school without wearing masks. Totally unnecessary. Said the COVID shot, totally unnecessary for kids. And overwhelmingly, vast majorities of the American population are voting alongside of me. Was it 3%? of parents out there with kids who are six months old to five years old are right now uh, getting the COVID shot for their kids. I didn't get the COVID shot for my five to 11-year-olds. They're never going to get it. They don't need it. They probably already had COVID because I've had COVID twice. My mom's had COVID. Dad's had COVID. Wife's had COVID twice. Everybody's had COVID in our family. I'm sure the kids have had it. And guess what? It was such a minor inconvenience for them that we can't even point to a time when they may have had COVID because they were perfectly fine as it was imminently predictable they would be. Jamel Hill, our good friend. I don't even know where Jamel Hill works now. Uh, She said, ESPN is actually super conservative. She did an interview recently where she came out and said, everybody out there who was saying that ESPN is woke They're all wrong. The reason why I failed at ESPN on the Sports Center at 6 o'clock was actually because ESPN is super conservative and because of racism. Oh, that's fascinating. 
So ESPN is super conservative. I mean, again, that's a lie. It's clearly not true. Yet, yet, it is something that is overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly going to be spread in blue check America where they buy into lies like these. ESPN, failing company, failing brand because they had a choice. They could just talk about sports and entertain people and instead they went woke and the Jamel Hills of the world are still trying to argue that it's super conservative. On the same weekend, Jalen Rose, who is not very good at television, uh, came out and said that the term Mount Rushmore should no longer be used. Mount Rushmore he said, is racist and offensive, and therefore the phrase Mount Rushmore put four uh, great athletes, four great coaches, commonly used in sports, the Mount Rushmore. Who would be on the Mount Rushmore for NFL quarterbacks? Who would be on Mount Rushmore for greatest college coaches of all time? All these things. It's racist. Woke Jalen Rose Not very good at making those arguments. I came out and I said, I've said it for a long time, I could make the woke arguments better than the woke imbeciles making them, but this is the world that we are living in. Now, Jalen Rose on Mount Rushmore says that it has to be ended. Anybody talking about Mount Rushmore and the woke community actually wants Mount Rushmore to be destroyed and no longer exist. Uh, I thought this was funny. So... I haven't watched The Terminal List, but evidently it's doing fabulously well. One of the most watched shows ever on Netflix. The most watched show right now on television is Yellowstone. And the most successful movie uh, of Tom Cruise's career is Top Gun Maverick. It just passed uh, Titanic made over $660 million, I think, so far in theaters. Still big audiences going to watch Top Gun Maverick. That's just in the United States, by the way, that revenue. Um, And there's an overwhelming demand, I believe, out there for pro-America, anti-woke movies, television, programming, streaming shows, whatever they may be. I don't think there's any doubt about it at all. And... Uh, you can just look at the data of what people are actually consuming. And that's why I've argued, hey, Hollywood, here is a gift from me to you. Make Undaunted Courage as a miniseries, as a new streaming series, as a show to air on television, and it will become the most successful television property in the country, streaming property, whatever it, you want to say. It'll be number one. It'll be the new number one. Trust me on this. And I don't know why people don't trust me. I don't know why they don't listen. Because they're so worried about being woke enough. Make Undaunted Courage, Stephen Ambrose book about the Lewis and Clark expedition. It'll be the number one show in America. So, Batgirl. Every possible permutation of superhero movie is being made right now. Every possible one you could think of. They're all out there. You know The Marvel movies, DC comic movies, remakes, uh, sequels, threequels, prequels, whatever they are, they're all out there. Everybody's getting their own movie. 
if you're a superhero universe. They made Batgirl. Warner Brothers Discovery, which owns HBO, which owns, I guess, the DC Comics now, they spent $90 million on Batgirl. And they watched that movie, and they said, it is so bad that we are just going to take the tax write-off loss, and we aren't even going to release Batgirl. It is unsavable. And so Buck and I were talking about this on the radio show earlier. I actually would like to watch it. How was it so bad? Because there's been a lot, be honest, there's been a lot of bad superhero movies. Batgirl was so bad that Warner Brothers Discovery, even after spending $90 million on it, they watched it and they said, this is completely unsalvageable. We would rather get no money back for this and take a $90 million tax write-off than actually make this this show. And I got to be honest with you, I want to see it. How bad would it have to be for you to just throw up your hands and say, we spent $90 million on this and we're just tossing it on the, the, the absolute dumpster fire? I've never seen this happen with a movie before. Usually they bring in a new director, they bring in a new crew, they try to remake it. How could they have all been this bad that they just said, This is an unsalvageable albatross. It's an unmitigated disaster. We're just going to wash our hands of it. Really kind of fascinating to think about. So that's what happened with Batgirl. You combine the $300 million that they lit on fire over CNN Plus. We're talking about almost $400 million between CNN Plus and Batgirl that Warner Brothers Discovery just said, we're washing our hands of this. We can't be involved in this anymore in any way. Bill Maher's under fire for saying we have to be less less praising of fat people. I got to say, you know what? I agree with Bill Maher. Look, nobody's ever seen me and said that guy is an absolute Adonis, right? For my entire public career, I have weighed somewhere between 175 and 190 pounds, okay? Uh, I've been somewhere in that range. If I were going to be super ripped, I probably super ripped meaning like, oh my God, look how ripped Clay is. I probably would need to weigh 155 pounds, right? And I also would then look really skinny and I would look weird and everybody who's ever watched me would be like, whoa, what's going on? So I've stayed within 15 pounds of my weight in the last, whatever, 15 years, 18 years that I've been a public figure. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Why all of a sudden, because I think it's primarily women, I want you to follow me down this road. We're talking about superheroes. Most men, young boys, men, they aspire, the male uh, masculine, masculinity, people aspire to look like what? Superheroes, ripped athletes, ripped wrestlers. Like if every single guy could snap his fingers and be as ripped as The Rock is, every single guy would snap his fingers. Every single one, right? And we could talk about the fact that those are probably steroid-fueled, HGH-fueled, whatever those guys are doing. It doesn't have to be The Rock, right? It could be you could snap your fingers and be as ripped as Brad Pitt or 
Captain America or whoever it is, right? Whoever the person is that you're out there and you're like, I wish I could be that ripped. Men overwhelmingly want to be ripped and athletic. And nobody says that men have body image issues because the superheroes that little kids grow up watching are all super ripped. The athletes, the wrestlers, the entertainers, almost all of them are super ripped. Nobody says, well, that's creating uncomfortable body image issues for men because most guys want to be fit and healthy. In the last few years, there's been this like, hey, my body is a, a, a work of art and it doesn't even matter if I'm super fat. Well, actually, Bill Maher asked a good question. How many really fat 90-year-olds have you ever seen? The answer is none, right? In order to live a long life, pretty much you have to be healthy. And this is one of the things I started saying that was super controversial during COVID. I said, hey, no, we shouldn't be shutting down gyms. We shouldn't be shutting down parks. We shouldn't be encouraging people to all stay in their house and eat Cheetos and watch Netflix. We should be telling everybody to get in shape. Eat less, work out more, get healthier. Because when you get COVID, one of the biggest predictors for having issues with COVID is being obese. And when I was walking around in the mall or walk around in the streets now, I see like Victoria's Secret just has fat chicks in underwear now. And like, whatever, fat chicks can buy underwear too. But are we like, oh, this is so amazing. Look how fat this person is in their underwear. See, I've been arguing for a long time. Victoria's Secret models are like NBA uh, lottery picks. Their bodies are rare, right? There aren't very many athletic seven-foot people. Think about it, If you've ever known somebody who's like super tall, odds are they're probably super klutzy. They aren't able to run very well. They're awkward. Most really tall guys are not Kevin Durant. They are like borderline unable to even run, right? So NBA lottery picks have rare body types. Same thing with like Victoria's Secret models. Supermodels are rare. Their bodies are rare. Most supermodels are like six feet tall. First of all, there aren't very many six foot tall women. Secondly, how often are six foot tall women absolutely gorgeous? Not very often, right? So that you would aspire, if you're a basketball player, you would aspire to one day be an NBA lottery pick, even though your body might not allow you to do that. You would watch those guys perform and think, oh, I want to try to be more like them. And maybe if you're a high school basketball player or little league basketball player, you get in better health than you otherwise would be because you're running uh, up and down the court because you're training to be better at basketball. Similarly, I don't know. I've never won la- worn lingerie. But I would think if I'm a woman, I would watch a supermodel and think to myself, hey, I would like to be as good looking as her in that outfit. Probably not going to be, but I can do whatever within my body's potential is to be as healthy as I can and look as good in those clothes as they do. Seems like to me men aspire 
to try to emulate their idols, and that's a good thing. But somehow we've turned women aspiring into emulating their idols as body negativity. Look, being fat is bad. You should try not to be fat. You should work out more. You should eat less. This is true across white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight. How is it controversial to say that? How does fat shaming even a thing? Just think about it. Um, And congratulations to Bill Maher for making that point and doing what I think is a good job. Finally, a lot of talk about this Cade Gundy situation. Uh, He is the Oklahoma coach. Uh, who was fired, longtime Oklahoma Sooner coach. By the way, the top 25 came out uh, uh, today during uh, the Clay and Buck show. Uh, But what is really kind of crazy, I think, is when you break it down, Cade Gundy evidently got fired for reading from a... uh, I thought it was kind of strange got fired for reading from the iPad of a teammate like a word that he shouldn't have read. I don't know what the word was. I think you could probably guess. But how do we get to this place where, sorry, Kel Gundy, not Cade Gundy, whatever. Kel Gundy. Um, Kel Gundy has me blocked on Twitter. I don't know how that happened. I never even heard of the dude, to my knowledge, or spent any time tweeting at him for sure. But how do we reach a world where you can have 20-plus years, which evidently this guy does, 20-plus years on his job of pretty solid performance, and you get fired based off one single incident. How do we get there? I think it's such an interesting question. How do we get to a place where you can do a job for over 20 years, and you can do it essentially well, and there can be a lot of players that are coming out in your defense and saying, hey, this was the wrong decision. How do we get to a place where you can have over 20 years of solid, credentialable, sterling behavior on your job that is widely Uh, accepted, verified, and endorsed by many of the people that have known you for that period. And you get fired for something that you say. I just think that's a really interesting question, regardless of what you say. Shouldn't 20 years of actions cancel out one minute of words? And how have we ended up in a world where what matters isn't the 20 years of what appears to be sterling work? If this story is true and Kale Gundy is being fired for just reading what a kid had written on his iPad in an effort to try and get that kid to pay more attention in a team meeting is somehow getting him fired. I once had a coach, not a coach, teacher, law professor, Don Hall, criminal law, said, you know, I'm going to explain what an unreasonable search is to all of you right now. He said, I want you all to stand up and back away from your computer screens. Everybody had laptops. And then he started walking around the classroom 
to see what everybody had on their laptop screens. I always thought that was such a great way to explain an unreasonable search to a bunch of would-be lawyers. Because a lot of people, as you guys can well imagine, were not paying attention to the professor. They were entertaining themselves on the internet. They were reading articles. They were writing emails. Maybe even watching television shows. It's still going on today. And it still is a useful teaching instruction to say, hey, let me see what's on your iPad. Let me see what's on your phones. Let me see what you're doing when you're supposed to be taking notes about how to be better at football. And so I would just ask this question for you as I finish off Outkick the show today. Everybody out there, what's more important? The actions that you have put forward for 20 years or the words that you use for potentially a minute? Why do we define people based based on what they say more than we do based on what they do? Just think about it. Love all of you. My name is Clay Travis, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. This has been Outkick the Show. I will see you guys tomorrow.